Ben, we're back. We're back to talk song screed commodities. And if anybody doesn't remember, it's the combination of the, I don't want to say failed, but more likely absorbed uh, YouTube series of us discussing music called Song Screed with Cinemodities. It's Song Screed Amodities. And this is going to be installment five. And it's been over a year since we've done one of these, Ben. Are you excited? I, I am very excited, Rob. This, as you know, I pitched this topic uh, because this is something that kind of came on my radar recently. And I think it, it deserves some discussion considering how different it is from a lot of the stuff we've discussed in the past. Yes, I, I would agree completely, and I think this is going to be a little different uh, from the song screed commodities you know and might love, I, we hope you love. Um, we're not really diving into an album, we're not really diving into specific songs, I think this is going to be more a discussion of an artist, which which we've done before in the past, you know, in the sense of Sean Nelson, but we were always grounded with a specific musical release. And this is something that we've never done before. Uh, ben hit me up with one song by this artist that we're discussing. And I said, you know, this is kind of interesting. I, I have some thoughts. And as I dived, dove into this artist, I just watched his music videos and listened to his music kind of with reckless abandon. We never really planned on what songs we were going to listen to or anything like that. And uh, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be good fun because it's going to let us the two of us, flourish in our conversation. Uh, would you agree with that, Ben? Or do you think you have a rigid structure you are going to hammer me into, which I, I'm I, not aware of? <laughs> I, ha- I have no rigid structure. I don't know if I'm as optimistic as you that without the structure it will be uh, a flourishing fun land. Uh, <laughs> but, but I do think the potential is there, and I, and I think we will uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm glad you say that, Ben, is that, you know... Um, I think what you just said really comes down to that the reason, of course, since it's been over a year since we've done Song Screed Commodities, where it really came up, is that there's a reason I like to talk to Ben. Ben and I might not have an idea of exactly what each other is going to say, but we can get good conversation out of it. Like, we take a topic, I think no matter how weird or boring one or both of us might find it, we can find things to talk about. And that might be... The best description and endorsement of the Cinemodities Patreon. We talk about everything on Patreon. I mean, you got Adventure Time, you got movies, you got fan requests, you got us going off on tangents about internet culture, about politics, about this, that, the other thing. It's kind of crazy, when I think about it, for how long we've known each other, Ben, that it's taken me this long to start recording us talking to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I actually feel pretty similarly, and I, I think Song Screed was kind of one of our first attempts at recording one of our conversations, yep, yep. and I think it, it kind of came about uh, because we spent, I don't know, several hours talking about the new Watsky album one time, <laughs> yes, and I was yes. like, Rob, is there any chance you want to record that and release it? And he, <laughs> and he was like, fuck it, let's try it. So we did it. When I visited him, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. But then I got hooked into cinemodities, and so we were already doing recordings of our conversations. So so Song Street kind of did fall by the wayside, yeah. and maybe it'll pick back up with some new Modest Mouse music that's coming out uh, oh, yeah. or that came out. <laughs> uh, so there is definitely a chance that we will be seeing a little bit more of the Song Street commodities. Yeah, 
Uh, and I, I, I really am... like it. This is this is one of the things that I, I'm. This is one of my, um, I guess, disappointments that did fall by the wayside because, of course, Ben. You know, you you have become more of a regular fixture on Cinemodities proper, where we're talking about movies and and TV shows and and all this stuff. But I I really like music. Like people need to realize that as as much of a a film critic as I've become, and I have really tried to learn everything I can about the filmmaking process to be a better critic for Cinemodities. My one original true love is music. I was into music for years before I got into movies. Like, movies were a, a secondary thing. Music is my shit, if I, if I may put it so bluntly. And this is why I'm really glad that we're doing another Song Street episode uh, about modern music as well. Because don't get me wrong, I think our Sean Nelson episode is a great, almost, I don't know, audio essay about who Sean Nelson is as a musician and how fucking fantastic the album Make Good Choices is. Uh, because, of course, Ben, most people hate their friends. Uh, but I say it depends. Also, I went back before this recording. I listened to our last Song Street episode. Do you remember what our last Song Street episode covered? Did it have the Mailman song in it? No, no, Ben. That was our first Song Street. Oh, oh God. I don't remember anything. Our last one was... Foxy Shazam! Oh shit, we did do Foxy Shazam. <laughs> we go on a tangent talking about a pair of Foxy Shazams for about ten minutes in that episode that I find, I hope our audience does as well, wildly fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's where we're coming from. I think, you know, we so so our first song screed was the rap, the the mailman one, and some Eminem that you that we've talked about. Uh, the second was actually Ben was not involved. It was when I had Matt on from the Immortal Lansberries talking about that album in particular. And then we did Sean Nelson, and then we did Foxy Shazam. And now, over a year later, we are coming back to talk about Tom McDonald. So, Ben, I want to throw it over to you. This is your baby. I, I don't think we would have been doing another Song Street episode unless you had texted me snowflakes by tom mcdonald we need to discuss this and that's it that's all ben said to me and i listened to the 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 song i don't think i i've given ben any of my reactions to the song i don't think i've given ben any of my thoughts on tom mcdonald and when i hit him up one day i was like yeah let's do you know let's do henry Selick, let's do ben affleck and let's do tom mcdonald for song screen in one day and ben was like fuck yeah so here we are an, an almost impromptu Song Screed Immodities episode because Ben pitched Tom McDonald to me. So, Ben, I would love for you to tell me and our audience, how did you find out about Tom McDonald? What are your thoughts on Tom McDonald? Just this whole backstory, because literally, I knew nothing about him until you gave me this information. All right, so Tom McDonald has been a little bit on my radar since the song White Boy. Uh, got whatever internet popularity it got, which wasn't a ton. Um, and that that song kind of came out in the midst of, of this, you know, I, I, I guess, quotes, racial awakening that, that we've been going through as a country. Um, for those of you who don't know, we are in the United States. And and there's been, like, this, this kind of renewed focus on race, which overall, I think, has mostly been a negative thing. Um that, that being said, there are there have been good elements of it, and what I'm really getting at, and I'm not going to like spend some time defending my position, you just shouldn't assume anything about what I think about that uh, from what I just said, other than 
that there have been a lot of bad parts from it. Uh, and Tom McDonald addresses some of those bad parts in this song, White Boy. And one of the main things that he addresses is the idea that straight white men have been told not to speak about certain things. Um, and he says, he says, there's nothing I can't say with my white voice in, in this song. And so this song hit the hit the, the internet, and I listened to it, and I was like, meh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not very good. Um, like, I guess I, I kind of agree with the stuff he says. I don't agree with all of it. And it's not, overall, it's not a great song. So then, I want to say like two or three years passed, and then Snowflake hit the internet. And Snowflake topped the iTunes charts. Yes. And that blew my mind that this guy who, who released a pretty mediocre song a couple of years back was topping the iTunes charts without a record label. And so I was like, all right, I'll fucking listen to it. Like, let's see what he has to say uh, or, or what the song is about. And I listened to that song, and the first 15 seconds of that song is truth bomb after truth bomb delivered <laughs> in bars. And I was just like, what the fuck happened to this dude? Like, how did he go from White Boy to this song Snowflake, where he's just dropping fucking bars, delivering a similar kind of message, but doing it with so much more style than he had been doing it before? Sure. And so then I've kind of, like, delved into him a little bit, and I found out that, that his significant other is a person that goes by the, by the uh, name Nova Rockefeller. I don't know if that's actually her name, that's just, that, the, but that is the name that she produces by. Yeah, that's her and stage she, name, yeah. And so she produce, produces his music videos, and she's actually really good at like low-budget music videos. And that's, that's another thing that caught my interest, is that these music videos are very simple, but because of the production, they're not terrible. So they're not hard to look at. And then this dude's fucking spitting bars, uh, and there there has been some some assertions that she ghostwrites his raps. I don't give a fuck. Like that does not matter to me. They are together. The two of them are producing some music yeah. that is unlike anything that we're seeing anywhere else. And he talks a little bit about it in terms of like he's like I don't mumble rap. You can hear everything I'm saying. And he also says he doesn't double-time rap in one of the songs. He's just like, I'm not out here just spinning as fast as possible. Like, I'm I'm blowing you away with slow rap, he says mm-hmm. in one of the songs. And I'm just like, this dude, like, he knows what he wants to be. And he is fucking doing it. And he's doing it so goddamn hard that it, it's just, it's admirable. And then there's also the fact that he is saying things that so many other people are afraid to say. And that whether you agree with him or not, I think makes what he has to say so much more interesting. Sure, sure. One one point I have to because this is this is not the point of the conversation, but I'm so glad you mentioned it. Nova Rockefeller, give her a Blumhouse movie. She might be the Please. best director I've seen in a long time of the modern era. Like she knows how to edit, direct, and oh my god, give her a welcome to the Blumhouse, please. One hundred percent. I, I, and and we could have made this video about Nova Rockefeller or yes. this, this episode about Nova Rockefeller, and and some of the things that they've done in, in their music videos. Like um, one of the music videos canceled. Tom McDonald is in a cage, mm-hmm. but the cage has no roof. Like he's saying, like just just that imagery, you think you have me in a cage, 
Yep. You are so fucking wrong. I mean, that, that's one of the things, because all the songs that I listened to, I, I watched with their music videos as well, and, and you're not wrong, they are very simple, but they are produced to the nines. They, it makes something so simple so interesting. And I, I do want to mention in the, the music video for one of the songs I listened to, uh, Dear Slim, which yep. we will have to talk about with the whole Eminem facet of Tom McDonald. But beside that, there's a many points, a set piece where Tom McDonald is sitting on a car that is designed to look as if it has just been dragged out of the water, and they set up like a hose inside of the car that is just pouring water, so as we see it from the outside, it looks like rain is pouring down from the top of the windows. It's it's fucking fantastic. Like, I was almost getting mad at Nova Rockefeller for her editing style because we didn't just get a 50-minute unbroken shot of this car with a hose inside of it. It's so wildly simple and wildly visually interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. And and the song Dear Slim, uh, that that's interesting for a number of reasons, not least of which being that Eminem produced the music for that song. Uh, yeah, yeah. He the beat. Pro- so if anybody does not know, this was a famous story. This is probably the, the one reason I knew Tom McDonald before I really acknowledged it after Ben sent it to me. Um, Tom McDonald bought this music, the music that we hear in Dear Slim, uh, from Eminem as his NFT, his non-fungible token, for one hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, this song literally costs at least one hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yes, uh, and this. So he did this after he got enough fame, and and I think there are a number of reasons for it. And there, there's a song called "Best Rapper Ever." Where, where the demon inside him says, like, you're not Eminem to him. Yep, yep. I have to say, of the modern day, he is the most Eminem fucking thing we've gotten since Eminem. Oh, I, I have to agree that in the sense of when I first listened to Eminem, of course, way back in the day, before Ben and I knew each other, when I was younger, I, I had a certain feeling about what Eminem was. And Tom McDonald recreates that feeling to some extent, in the more modern setting, which is a wildly impressive thing to be able to do. Yes, I, and, and there's a number of reasons for it, at least as far as I'm concerned. So there's the one, which is he has this attitude of, I'm not fucking afraid to say anything, which mm-hmm. Eminem did. Like, that was, that was Eminem in yes. a fucking nutshell at some point. But then there's this additional uh, piece to this. Eminem kind of... I think we probably talked about it some in the episode where we talk about Eminem. He made Midrime a thing. Yep. Like Midrime yep. was not done, at least not not to the degree that it is now, until Eminem did it. And Tom McDonald does Midrime well. Absolutely. And and that's something to to for for reference. Midrime is where like you're not just rhyming the last word in in a line in two lines. You're rhyming words that are in the middle of those lines and words that are at the end of those lines. Like, so you have multiple rhyme schemes happening all at the same time, yeah. which is phenomenal. It, yeah. it, like, it does things to my brain that other things can't do. It's a, it's it's a lyrical like, structure that you can tell you're listening to without understanding it. It's one of the things that why Eminem got famous and why rappers, or any musician that has done this has gotten famous, because it catches the ear of the casual listener. That's right. And Tom McDonald fucking does it. Like, oh, yeah, without yeah. question, he does it. Uh, and then, so while I was listening to this, I know that you had mentioned singles that were, you know, within the past year or whatever. Yep. I came across the Mac Lethal Tom McDonald uh, beef, 
Sure. Yeah, did you listen to any of this? I, I did not listen to that one, but I read a little bit about that one. Um, I that that was that was the thing, you know, when we when we said we don't have this structure of what we listen to. Um, I tried to do my research as, as nearly completely as I could, uh, but you would know more about than I do. So please enlighten me. Okay, so so Mac Lethal, uh, Tom, Tom McDonald dropped straight white male, and yes. Mac Lethal went on Twitter and said, "I don't even know who this dude is. He's dropping music about how white men are oppressed, and he fucking sucks. Basically, is what <laughs> is what he said." Okay. <laughs> and and Tom McDonald replied to him, and he was just like. You know, basically, he was just like, I, I don't remember exactly what Tom McDonald said. So, something along the lines of like, "You're a fucking idiot for saying this shit about me." Why, and and sure. not and not identifying that you're saying it about me, but like sneak dissing me. Yeah. Um, and Mac Lethal says like, "I wasn't even talking about you. I was talking about someone smaller than you." And that was the shit. When I read that, I was like, "Why the fuck would you ever say that? Why would you say like I am punching down further than Tom McDonald, who?" At that point, was not nearly as uh, you know as, as successful as he is now. Yeah, and um, and then Tom McDonald releases a Raptus uh, about it, and it, it's it's pretty good. You know, it's not it's not fantastic. It's it's a bait track. It is it is a track to get Mac Lethal to respond to. It. Sure, sure. And then Mac Lethal re- releases a, a diss track, and it is bad. <laughs> uh, okay, like he. Don't get me wrong. There are parts of it that are good, but he—I guess he has like this kind of goofy shtick. So he, his like, he like resorts to calling Tom McDonald like Tammy McDogfart or something, and I'm just like, this is so childish. Sure, like, it's not good. And then Tom McDonald responds to that with another, uh, another diss track, and it's fucking fire. Like mm-hmm. it is so good, uh, and and I personally kind of love that that beef of like these two people being like, I'm going to talk some mad shit about you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and one of, and I, we've talked about this before, like rap has this element of like bragging as hard as possible. Yep. Uh, and this is like the other side of that, where it's like, I'm shitting on you as hard as possible. In, ah, in sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, no, you're not wrong. One of my favorite lines in rap history, as stupid as it is, Wiz Khalifa sings, I got so much money. I should start a bank. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, like, Tom McDonald, in, in, in that video, he, Mac, so in one of the videos, or at least in one of the tweets somewhere along the lines, Mac Lethal is talking about, like, how, how many millions he's worth or some mm-hmm. shit like that. And, and uh, in, in the second uh, diss track, Tom McDonald says, you talked about millions, and Dave, he calls Mac Lethal Dave because that's his, his given name. Yeah. He's like, you're worth two, I'm worth 12. Okay. <laughs> It's just it's like, I don't know, it, you know, th- like that kind of shit. It's just like, like, why the fuck would you even bring this up? You're so outclassed. Sure. Um, and and I I really appreciated that. Uh, so so then again, like there's the, a point at the end of that song where where Tom McDonald just drops fucking bars. Like he just starts almost double time rapping, like just fast spitting the way the way that you would expect from Eminem. And you're, the whole time you're just like, this is this tatted up hair braided white dude. Just you know, looks looks like nobody you would expect to be famous, and he is killing it out here, and he's doing it independently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and that's that's really what caught my attention. Sure, sure. No, I mean that that's everything you said. I I I think I agree with in this sense that um, you know Tom McDonald 
has a, a, a hook, he has the talent, he has the production. It, it makes sense that all of this would be out in the ether for us to listen to. And, you know, when I when you first pitched me Snowflakes and I watched that video and I heard the lyrics, I was like, of course Ben wants to talk about this. <laughs> I think, you know, speaking of the Patreon as well, the things we've discussed on there, this is right... Tom McDonald, most of his songs that I listen to, they're right in line with a lot of things that we've discussed uh, in whether directly or tangentially related to movies that we've covered. And, and so it kind of makes perfect sense. So just, just so you know, um, I listened to all of the 2021 singles up to the point of this recording, the last of them being Snowflakes. I also listened to Coronavirus. The song is titled Coronavirus from 2020, just because that one popped up in some of my research. So I, I don't really know Tom McDonald historically, I just know his kind of 2021 releases. And so that includes so Snowflakes, Fake Woke, Cancelled, Clown World, Church, Dear Slim, No Good Bastards, and Heart Emojis. I have to say, the standouts, in the sense of literally standing out as different, not that I love them or anything, Church and Heart Emojis. Church is a song about battling addiction, which I have great respect for. I mean, I, Ben knows I have literal songs of me just playing guitar and singing, which, is a, which are about addiction. So I, I, I love any aspect of any musician that deals with that. Heart Emojis is a straight-up pop breakup song that might as well have existed 15 years ago. It oh, wow. sounds like Good Charlotte. <laughs> It's so wildly different from all his other stuff that it's shocking. I don't know. Did you listen to Heart Emojis or watch that the video? Never, that one never crossed my radar. Uh, Heart Emojis was, was never something that came okay. up when It I was... only stood out because it is so wildly different. Like, it is through and through a pop song. Like, you expect, like, the A-teens to sing it or something like that. It's crazy. But now, here here's the thing. And I don't want to... Whatever you want to talk about, Ben, please let us talk about it, because I don't want to derail. This is Tom McDonald's Your Pitch for Song Street Commodities, but I have to say, all other six songs that he's released in 2021, Snowflakes is in this list. Fake Woke, Cancelled, Clown World, Dear Slim, No Good Bastards. They're all the same. He's saying the same thing in every song. Okay, and that is actually, I'm actually really glad you brought that up. Because that was what I was going to say is essentially going to determine whether he stays uh, successful or not. Sure. Is can he break out of this and do something different? Yeah, yeah. I, I, w- I would agree, of course. You know, the, the lasting legacy, can it just be rapping about these headlines? And, and I, I want to I speak a lot more about what he's rapping about. But it was kind of unbelievable to me that I watched music video after music video and I, you know, pulled up lyrics to these songs and I was like, yeah, they're fundamentally different words in different orders, but it's the same idea. He's, he's not saying anything new from song to song. And I, 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 I found that really interesting. The fact that he's been able to make that many successful songs off of such a limited amount of information, like I think that really speaks to the state of this of society at the moment because there there is enough desire to hear those things pushed back against that we would like to hear it in different formats i 
Yes. Yeah. You just hit the nail on the head. Is that what he's singing about? Is I, I was trying to find like a good snippet when I was writing my notes. I was trying to find a good snippet of how to exactly say this, but I couldn't come up with one perfectly. But he is—he's basically singing about the criticism of the internet woke left. Does that make sense? That, yeah, that's that's more or less. Yeah, that, that's actually that's actually almost I think perfect because he's not actually criticizing the ideas of racial equality. Like he has other songs, uh, like he has a song called "If I Were Black," where he talks about like agreeing with it and, and believing that some of these things are problems for the black community. It's not that he disagrees with that idea. It's that he disagrees with the stranglehold that the, that the, the woke left has decided and successfully kind of put onto society yes. in a way that is, is not healthy. The, the internet, the, the vocalized internet that, you know, we've talked about with cancel culture, with woke culture, whatever you want to call it, that's what he seems to be responding to, and that's what all these songs that I say are exactly the same. That's what he keeps responding to and keeps saying basically, in essence, if you boil it down, that he disagrees. Yeah, so he disagrees. I think canceled, he says, like, there's no label that can drop me because I'm independent. Like, yes. So he's, he's saying, like, oh, I'm immune to your bullshit, and I'm going to talk about it as much as I want and as loud as I can. Yeah. Yeah, and and that so this is exactly the thing. I this is where my thoughts come into play in the sense that you know before even watching a lot of the videos, when you told me about Snowflakes by Tom McDonald, I checked it out, saw there was a video, I watched the video. My first response was, "Is this for real?" And my immediate follow up was, "Oh, of course it is." So just just hear me out for a minute, Ben. My my big thing about Tom McDonald when I first watched his music video, when I watched more of his music videos, my big thought was one question. Is he an industry plant? And now, if for anybody who doesn't know, an industry plant is somebody that is basically an artist that is basically created by an existing, you know, industry um, that seemingly has an organic following uh, but is really a manufactured personality. And I, I, I'm not saying yes or no. I want to talk about that more. But my first thought was, is Tom McDonald an industry plant? And this is the first thing I wanted to pick your brain on, Ben. Doesn't him rapping about these things in 2021 make sense? Doesn't, haven't we hit almost the saturation point of people having these negative opinions of the internet left culture that they don't have a voice for? That they needed someone to be the spearhead, to, to sing, to produce, to create artist, artistry about how they disagree with, in air quotes, being woke. Whatever being woke means in this context. Doesn't it make sense that this is an untapped market? That in some way, shape, or form, if you said, oh, this is a group of people who feel alienated or angry at the internet... I should become a an artist or a spearhead to to pl not placate to become a part of or or formulate those arguments. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down, and, and I definitely so so human psychology um, and maybe sociology more than psychology, 
uh, tends tends to exist on this kind of pendulum structure, and I'm sure I've talked about it before. We we tend we tend to kind of go back and forth, past past the middle, which which you know, for the metaphor, I'm not talking necessarily about the the political middle. I'm yeah. talking about the correct solution, if there is one, and then we tend to swing back and forth past it. And very much we've been swinging, if if you want to use the political metaphor, to the left for a while now, and we're getting we were getting higher and higher and higher on that 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 swing back and and we were hitting a point of saturation where the pendulum is ready to swing the other way yes yeah it it has been ready to swing the other way it it needed a, a catalyst and and maybe tom mcdonald can be that catalyst uh, but what you're coming at it from is your it sounds like you're saying perhaps the industry recognized this yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, when I say saturation point, what you just said is a is a great description of it. But also, I want to add that the saturation point in terms of, I think you've realized this as well. When, when we talk about some of this, you know, internet culture, this politically correct culture, whenever we talk about it now, it's kind of like, well, we've also had recorded conversations of you know at least ten hours length where we're saying the same thing. There's a saturation point in that opinions are are stagnant to some extent. Sure, yeah. So so the the people who disagree, the people like like me, uh, I don't know if you want to include yourself in, as someone who disagrees. Maybe you do. I don't want to put that label on you. Uh, no, that, I'm glad you said that, Ben. I'm opinion fluid. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, th- those people are forming their opinions or have formed their opinions, and those opinions are, to some degree, stagnating. That's totally the case, and it has, and that's happened because, well, for one, I mean, it's it's a really human reaction to be told to do something and to have one of two responses: okay, or fuck you. Those that's it. That's pretty much the only two responses you get from telling somebody to do something. Yep. And and this has kind of persisted as long as it has because while they were telling people to do something, they were silencing everyone who was saying fuck you. Mm-hmm. They were silencing by by drop getting them dropped from their labels and, and you know in in the not that it's exactly the same, but like in the Louis C.K. example, he got he like got canned from a bunch of different projects. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's that's what's happening to these people. That's what this whole cancellation thing is. And so they are trying to silence any dissent, uh, which is inherently a harmful thing. And and I think that's kind of where, regardless of whether or not I agree with them about other things, which there are some things I agree with the, with the political left about, the one thing I fundamentally disagree with is silencing dissent. Yes, yes. Uh, and... So yes, we've hit this point where people are tired of being silenced. And, you know, it would be one thing if we could grumble under our breath and we could just talk shit about it, whatever, without any worries. But but there's kind of been this, this thing that we can't, we can't just freely say, I fucking disagree with you mm-hmm. about whatever mm-hmm. it is. Because, yep. and that, that stems from a number of reasons. But one of them, and, and I would say maybe the biggest pro- problematic one, is is the assertion of racism against anybody who disagrees with anything, yeah. and and something that comes to mind is um, uh, some city very recently voted to defund their police. Sure, sure. And the two people in the city council that voted against it were the two that represent the poorest districts. So the reason I bring this up is that 
whenever the, these kind of more well-to-do people are saying, like, oh, we need to get rid of the police because the police are killing minorities, they're not actually consulting the minority groups that live in those violent environments all the time. Like, the, the poor people who are actually the ones that are interacting with police and, and far more likely to be shot by the police, those are the people who are saying they don't want the police to be defunded. Sure. But just saying that, then, then the more well-to-do people gets come in and be like, oh, you're racist, you, you don't want to defund the police because you want the police to continue killing black people. It's like, no, that, that is such a ridiculous assertion. Mm-hmm. But it has worked because because there's this this reaction where people are saying like they get called racist and, and they they defend themselves incorrectly to that assertion. Uh, they defend themselves by trying to prove they're not racist or something of that nature. Whereas the correct defense to someone calling you racist is you have insulted me. You have you have said something that is fucking insane. Yeah. And it is baffling, unbelievable, and not worth. It has no merit whatsoever. And you need to take that shit outside. Like, and that's that's kind of where Tom McDonald is stepping in. Yes. And now, whether whether the industry saw it and was like, "This is a great opportunity to make money," which it is, because there is this entire group of people exactly. who have felt silenced. I'm not so sure about. Maybe maybe you're right, and it wouldn't be. I guess it wouldn't be that surprising if you were right, because they have to have analysts. They have to know this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yes, and and no. What you just said is the best example. I'm glad, so glad you tied it back to Tom McDonald because you're exactly right. There's people who feel they cannot respond to these things, and Tom McDonald seems to come across as a spearhead vocal artist about that response. Yeah. Which which is is necessary, you know, whether or not you agree or disagree with Tom McDonald. I, I think Ben and I agree that the problem is if you say that something like this shouldn't exist. But this is the thing. I just asked the question. My thought was, is he an industry plant? I, I'm not saying yay or nay. To, to, term, to determine if someone is an industry plant, you need to dive deep into them, their social media, their historical internet fingerprint, which I did none of. And I want to make that very clear. I did not do any research down the rabbit hole of Tom McDonald. And I, I, I just had the thought, is he an industry plant? And I knew that was going to be a worthwhile discussion. But I think what you're saying, Ben, as you just ended your, your last little bit of uh, your rant, your side of the rant, because we're both ranting, is that it, it kind of comes down to this. And maybe, maybe I caught some of our audience. Maybe they were going to go, Rob, what are you saying? Because at the end of the day, if somebody an is an industry plant, I don't care. This all comes back, I think at least my side of what I want to talk about is separate the art from the artist. I don't care if somebody's an industry plant or an organic, true, you know, singer-songwriter as long as they're making great music that achieves something. And achieving something could be easy as, you know, eliciting a response from somebody that that artist will never, ever meet. I, I think of... That this is something saying like you know should I not like Billie Eilish because the internet is telling me that she's an industry plant when I truly love her song called I Love You it's one of the most soothing touching entrancing soft female vocal songs I've heard in years should I be against that because she's an industry plant no and at the same time 
Should I dislike Katy Perry's Hot and Cold, a song that I do at karaoke often and know all the words to, because she's an industry plant? No. I, there's, there's a separation of art from artists. You should take what the artist is trying to achieve, whether or not they're manufactured by a committee or not. Well, and in the, in the, the situation where you're dealing with artists or with industry plants, there's a decent chance that the industry plant, in air quotes, didn't write that song anyway. It, yeah, exactly. It's it's committee manufacturing. It's the uh, the idea that you know the most famous musician that no one's ever heard of is Quincy Jones because he's written basically every Motown song ever. <laughs> but he's right. not the he's not the singer. He's not the the um, the Janet Jackson. He's not the 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 figurehead that we see in our music industry as, as we see at least from you know this this uh, perspective of advertisement and i think that's just kind of the point that i want to make because i i want to get back to tom mcdonald and i want to talk about his his ideas and what the song's presenting of course but i think that mus- music musicians are the group of people that get latched onto as individuals the most like, I think you have people going, oh, I love Billie Eilish. And I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not guilty of this. I love Animal Collective. I love Dream Theater. I love these people. I just want to make the point that you can love whatever you want to love. If, if it gives you that weird, tingly sensation that cannot be put into words, that a great song makes you feel, then it's the best thing to ever happen to you. You should not like or dislike that any more or less because of who made it. I, once again, separate the art from the artist. Like the product, don't like the producer. Because chances are the producer is either a monster, it's a committee of people that you don't know, they're nameless faces, nameless, faceless advertising researchers that make these things. And to me, Tom McDonald in 2021, when he's really gaining popularity, is a perfect example of this. Don't love Tom McDonald. You might agree with what he's saying, and you might love that music. Fine. Don't love Tom McDonald because he might not be the Tom McDonald you fall in love with. Don't, don't idolatrize, I guess is what I'm saying. And the music industry lends itself almost to idolatry in the worship of these figures that really might have not anything to do with what you love other than being the face in front of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and... I'm inclined to disagree with you, but I don't. I don't think that I actually do disagree with you. But but the reason <laughs> I'm inclined to is that it's very inherent in the message that is what Tom McDonald is presenting that a person is doing it. Sure, and and you're not wrong in the example of Tom McDonald, which I'm sure we'll get into further. It might be that that person actually feels that way. I'm taking the more, I guess, statistical, cynical side, where saying like. Since there are industry plants and since there are committees that make music, don't fall into that trap ever. What I, what I mean by that is the, the whole thing that we've been discussing is that people have not been able to stand up. Yes. The fact that it is a person standing up is important. Sure. Oh, no, no. That, that, you, yes, yes, absolutely. That there, there is a, like I've been saying, a figurehead, a spearhead, a vocal person for this idea Right. That's, what, Im- that's important, but... What I, th- I mean by that is, yeah. if it turns out that he's industry-backed, that might actually diminish the message to some degree. Oh, 100%. Yeah, well, not, of course, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so not, not that the music is any worse, or that the ideas presented by the music is any worse. Just that, 
the person mm. who stood up to the machine doesn't exist. It, exactly. And that that's getting at a more political, philosophical level of music. I think what I'm saying is just if you enjoy if you enjoy the music, separate it from don't love the person, love the product, I guess is what sure. I'm saying. Sure, no. But if if that person is also some type of an activist for something you believe in, then there's more leeway into agreeing with that. I, I, I think that, you know, I, the example I take is Billie Eilish because you can watch fucking an infinite amount of YouTube videos about how Billie Eilish is an industry plant which is supposed to prey on the, uh, the young teenage girl depression phase. And I don't know. I honestly don't know. We might never know. I think the only famous industry plant story that's said and done is goddamn King Harvest from the 70s. And they're the people that wrote Dancing in the Moonlight. But nobody even knows Dancing in the Moonlight from King Harvest. They know the top loader version. And so that's almost been completely forgotten in the music annals. I don't know if anybody is a music plant or not. And you can spend, like I said, infinite amount of time watching YouTube videos, arguing for or against is someone an industry plant. Ignore that. If you like the music, you like the music. And that's just the point I wanted to make. To tie it back to Tom McDonald, there is something more going on that Tom McDonald is tied to a seemingly movement, a, a, some type of voice, some type of, of belief that is inherently backed by it, where Billie Eilish is just, I'm a sad teenage girl. That's a different story, of course. I think we can agree on that. Sure. Tom McDonald is talking about something that, like you said, people have not gotten a chance to say, or if they do get to say, it's only in specific corners of the internet that aren't Reddit, because Reddit, the left of Reddit, seems to be the loudest voice these days. Oh my god, Reddit's a cesspool. Oh, I mean, the internet is a cesspool, but... <laughs> but, no, you're not wrong, but I think that's the thing that I have an issue with. Once again, I don't know, and I'm not saying I, I have a thought either way if Tom McDonald's injury plant this is where things get dangerous, I think. I, I'm, I'm a little wary of taking a, an artist, whether it be music or otherwise, and tying it so tightly to a political belief. And I'm not saying Tom McDonald's the first one to ever do this, but I, I'm wary of, of keeping the art and the artist so tightly wound together. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, so it's kind of interesting that, that you bring this up, because I was actually just about to broach the topic of uh, Tom McDonald is doing... What comedians should be doing. Comedian is another good example. Absolutely. The the commentary that comedians provide now seems to be provided by musicians that can get millions of views on YouTube. Absolutely. Well, and and the reason I say this is is the comedian kind of plays the role of the court jester from like way back. Yep. Where the court jester was the only person in the kingdom who could make fun of the king. And the reason the court jester existed is because the king needed to be grounded. Mm-hmm. But nobody else could have the station in life to be able to speak to the king in that manner for the sake of, of their authority. Yeah, yeah. And and the comedian has kind of always been that for society. The comedian has always been progressive. They are always pushing the boundaries. That's what comedians do. And then recently, you know, you're getting a lot of people who are saying, like, you can't even be a comedian anymore because they're canceling you for crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually going to bring up that Tom McDonald is doing what, what, what we have relied on comedians to do for as long as we've had comedy aired on television, at least, yes. if not longer. 
it, it's it's become the new form of like I said, the YouTubers that get millions of views. It, it's I think also Tom McDonald's an example of that. It's become the new form of social commentary that used to lie in the lap of stand-up comedians. Now yes. we have musicians doing that, and it's in a different way because, of course, one of the examples I always make is I I can't stand you know when I go to a concert and the musician or the band is talking about something and they're not playing music. Like, you know, Bruce Springsteen, he'll go on like a 20-minute tirade and talking about politics, and he's not playing music. And that bothers the shit out of me because I want the art. I don't want the artist. This is the blending of that. This is Tom McDonald becoming this social commentator using the art form. Do I approve of that as an evolution of sound? Absolutely. Am I wary of it? what it's going to make music for the rest of time? Kind of. Because System of a Down tried to do this too. Of course, they were singing about how bad the Armenian genocide was, and most Americans still to this day have no idea what the Armenian genocide is. But now it's becoming so politically poignant is that it's taking away, and, and maybe this is something we might not agree on, you and I, Ben, exactly, but... Music should be timeless. I don't know if the music Tom McDonald making will will be timeless. It might be just of this year, of this era, or something like that. You know what um, I mean? I do know what you mean, and I don't think I agree. I don't think music necessarily should be timeless. Sure, sure. Uh, I think I think music should be poignant. Okay, um, okay. I, I, I think I get the most enjoyment from music when it effect when, when when i can listen to it and be like this is about my life to some degree mm, mm-hmm. and and that's part of why i switch music that i listen to so frequently because my life is ever changing um and i don't li- like i i haven't listened to billy talent very much since you and i listened to billy talent together. sure i i haven't listened to modest mouse since you and i listened to modest mouse together not really uh not not to the same degree it's because those those pieces of music are so anchored to that part of my life. Gotcha. That the listening to them now feels like moving backwards. And, okay. Okay. Uh, and and I don't I don't dislike them because of that by any means. I guess I just have accepted that that's how music is for me. Uh, sure. And that's kind of why I'm I'm like nowadays. I, and part of the reason that that this song scraping has fallen by the wayside is I don't listen to that much music anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I don't is because the music that I listen to is is all anchored to different parts of my life. And if I don't want to relive those parts of my life, I don't want to listen to that music. Um, Fair. And, and so should music be timeless? I mean, some music should be timeless. But I don't think all music should be. Oh, I think, I'm with you there. I don't think all music should be. But I, I think, you know, th- this is actually, this might be the most profound therapy session of cinemodities ever is that we're reaching the realization which i think we've always ex- uh, accepted ben you and i you are very much music is of a time in my life as you just said and i am of the stance that music just needs to sound amazing no matter when i listen to it i i think it's i think we've always understood you've you've always been the more lyrically inclined person and i've been always oh, yeah. the more sonically inclined person Definitely. And and I think that that is why talking about something like Tom McDonald that brings these two together in such a poignant time, not in our lives, but in, in the country's lives, in, in society's lives, 
is so worth discussing. This is why I was like, okay, we're going to do Tom McDonald, where, you know, I could have just been like, no, Ben, you have to listen to me yell about how important the sound of the new Avalanches album is for for 20 minutes, you know? <laughs> and, and, you know, to, to that point, a, a big part, so, so yes, when I'm listening to music, I do care about the sound, obviously. Uh, you know, I, from the kooks back in the day, like, there's some groovy shit that we've listened to, and it's sure, just like, it makes yes. you move when you hear it. What is it? What is it? Time. Remember that song, "Time Awaits," where the the music literally fades to zero, comes back in, fades to zero. Like there were times I feel that we were just cooking and dancing in your apartment, jamming yes. out to that shit. Of course, that's the great thing is what we have such different opinions on music, but we overlap on the best shit ever. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, and, and I and I will say, like, I do think that the Tom McDonald music sounds good, and part of the me thinking it sounds good is I actually like the way that somebody speaking with confidence sounds. If yes. that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. So some- this is Tom McDonald. Like you said, he's uh, earlier, he's not mumble rapping. He's not tripping over his words. This, for the most part, the thing that really struck me when I first heard snowflakes and started to listen to more of his music, that it basically is spoken word. It has tempo. It has rap artistry, but it, is really close to spoken word in the sense that he wants you to understand everything he says. Yeah, and he, he specifically mention, mentions that in one of his songs, uh, yeah. and I'm having trouble remembering which one it is, uh, but he says, you know, like, I understand why you mumble rap, because you don't you don't want to have to say something. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and he does want to say something and he does want you to hear it and spoken word it, it is very close to spoken word poetry and i also like spoken word poetry oh absolutely that's, you that's, that's something uh, something you showed me a bunch of and i think you know that when when you and i get into rap i guess it it's the 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 things that we share about rap in in appreciation of it it ends up being more of that spoken word with great musicality you know there's a reason that i love watsky it's because watsky is so poignant and on target of what he's trying to say and he's also one of the greatest modern piano players ever i think (laughs) yeah and so i love that stuff it's why i get into logic because logic is also a great musician as well as a an artist a singer and i think that's where we overlap and i think you know maybe this is a slight tangent that's where i dislike current state of rap today The, the mumble rappers like you said they don't have anything to say or if they do have something to say why does the impetus fall on me to look up their lyrics? Shouldn't yeah. I be getting what they're trying to say from the the thing that they're presenting me, the product yeah, they're their presenting me-, me? Their medium shouldn't be an obstacle. I- exactly, exactly. And that's a big thing that I think rap has devolved into because, and I know Snoop Dogg agrees with us. There's a great video of Snoop Dogg talking about mumble rap that I really like that he says, he's like, they're not saying anything. And it's like, Snoop Dogg, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I want to get something from my music. And that's rap. Rap has historically been poetry to, to rhythm. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say, is that if there's a music, a form of music, a genre of music that you should be taking something from, it's rap. It's the, the using your voice as an instrument to express something, more than anything else. Rap, rap has um, the biggest element of storytelling of, of any song, or of, of any genre, um, that there is, and and as you know, when it comes to movies, I often focus on the story elements of movies, mm-hmm. whereas you'll focus on 
more about how they're made and, and yeah. some of the cinematography and directing and, and, and those things, special effects. To me, the the story, and, and this is this is kind of a, a thing that's true of humans almost in general. It's true of, true of a lot of humans. Story is the the way that we learn about life. Yep. And and rap is stories told quickly in clever ways set to music. And that is like the best fucking thing ever when it's done. I w- I'm going to use the word respectfully. I don't mean that the words don't make you feel disrespect. I mean that they are respecting the form when they do. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's one of the things that I always say any art form has established rules. And if you stick within those rules and do it well, it's going to be great. If you break those rules, do it you respectfully and, and make it purposeful. Absolutely. I think a great example that we've had this conversation before years ago, before we ever started recording our stuff. This is why one of the greatest examples of music, I think, period, which is a, a, a big thing to say, is real art by Crudbump. He tells a story. It might be a goofy story about him farting and being homeless, but dude, he tells a story. The imagery is right in your head when you're listening to it. The music makes it work. The lyrics make it work. And that is a true respect of the art form. And even though it's done in a goofy way, it's respect of the art form. And it's, it's amazing. Everybody go listen to Real Art by Crud Pump, the album and the song. <laughs> yeah, so Crud Pump is subversive but respectfully subversive. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that, that's what I always say is that people, when I play Crudbump for people and they don't like it, I go, no, you have to understand that it might not be great music, you know, in air quotes. It might not be the thing that you want to listen to, you know, 24-7, but it is parodying a genre but sticking to the rules of that genre, which makes the parody and satire all the more poignant. Absolutely. Yeah, if you're going to break the rules... And, and so this, this actually, I, I mean, I, I have like a pretty firm, I, I'm what you would call a rules lawyer, mm-hmm. if that's if that's a, a term you're familiar with. I care about the rules to a, to a degree that other people don't, and, and the reason is simple. If you're not following the rules, you're not playing the game. Yes, yes. And like rules are the way we create limitation, and limitation is the way we create story. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's why Superman is barely interesting most of the time because there's so little limitation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's there's almost no story because what's where's the suspense? So, like I I had this same problem when I would back in undergrad when like and I at the time I was a pretty I don't know if I would say staunch atheist I was an atheist for sure sure and I would hear people who study philosophy arguing. With, with people who are, are Christian, who believe in God, and they would be like, well, there's this contradiction in the Bible, and there's this contradiction in the Bible, and there's this contradiction in the Bible, therefore God isn't real. And I would be like, you are a fucking idiot because you're not following the rules. The rules of the game are simple. If you want to attack the idea of a deity logically, you are not paying attention because the, the idea of a deity is that it is not bound by logic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So... You trying to attack it logically is is ridiculous. Like it's just done. It's a waste of time. It's stupid. It's and it disrespects the game. Yeah. And that's the part about like. Don't get me wrong. I was in agreement with the people who I would go to and be like, I would shut them down. Mm. I'd be like, you are, like, you're making me look bad by making this argument. Yep. And and so I would shut them down. 
and and that's I don't I don't know how I've ended up here. That's essentially <laughs> that's that's how I feel about about rules in games. That's how I feel about rules in genres. And if you are going to break them, you better have a goddamn good reason. Absolutely, yeah. And and I think it came from you know we we have the the rules uh, of of rap of the genre, and uh, we have the rules that Tom McDonald is clearly following. And doing oh, again, and having the and, voice that is is different, or, or representing these these people that have seen silence, absolutely. And, that, and that's right. The end, the end of that whole rant is mumble rap is dick. Like <laughs> m- mumble rap is not like. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not music. It yeah. could be music, but it's not rap. Sure, sure. I I'm with you. I'm with you there. I mean, there uh, of course there's some artists that I like that you know might do some more unintelligible lyrics. But that's where I, I don't see it as rap in the sense that we've been talking about. I see it as they're using their voice as an instrument, yep. which I'm and fine with. Fine. Yeah, great. exactly, exactly. It could be good. It could be bad. It's up to you if you like it or not. But it is not sending the same message that uh, something like, you know, the M&Ms or the, the Watsky, Logic, Tom McDonald that we've been discussing. So, I'm trying to think of a good analogy because, like, for, for Tom McDonald, he uses his voice instrumentally, but it's like a percussion drum. Like he uses oh, his yeah. his voice to like hit. Oh, Whereas, yeah. I mean, there's like, a, there's a wonderfully I found it hilarious in the Snowflakes video. There's a part near the end of the song where he's like he'll say a line and then bolster it with, uh. Yeah. And we get just cuts to him going, uh. And I'm just like, that's funny, you know. I think that's funny, but that that's a very like Kanye has done that before, you know. He'll be like, ba ba da ba da ba da, uh. Yeah, yeah, but and it's like using that as like almost a meter of your voice, which is which is good. I think that's an artistic development because, like you said, it's percussion. It's emphasizing the points that he's trying to make. Right. Oh God, I think that's is that. I think that might be the part of the song where he. So he's saying "uh" this whole time, and then later he rhymes it with something. Yes. He's like, if you're not a white supremacist, you might be Antifa. Yep. 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 uh, Yeah, that's some good shit. But when it comes to like mumble rap, like that's the analogy. I can't, I can't quite figure out like what instrument is there or some more like I don't know. Sure. Tom McDonald's is more like a percussive drum, mm-hmm. um, and like that's you know like whereas like George Watson maybe it's a little more, more like a snare drum. I don't know what mumble rappers are like. Sure, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Eminem, when Eminem does the "I want to break the world count of how many words I can say in a in a single minute," that screams snare drum to me. Yep. Like, that screams like you're seeing someone hold the sticks in a certain way, rolling them in a way that I've never been able to do because I've tried drums and they're fucking ridiculous to me. But that you're exactly right, that you hear these musicians and you go, that's the feeling I'm getting. And then it's like, I don't know, mumble rappers might be like, I don't know, breathy woodwind instruments. Like, they're just slewing notes together without any real, like, maybe oh, jazz yeah, like, sax. I'm, I'm thinking like a, like a foghorn, almost like a... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that. Like free form long note harbor instruments. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so yeah, the analogy maybe isn't complete. If, and I, I'm actually interested. If anyone else can complete this analogy for us, please let us know. That's I don't good. know what the instrument is. Uh it's but anyway, so so that yeah, there that's fucking we're we're dealing with the percussion drums here. Yes, yes. When it's just like and Eminem does both. He ba- he bounces back and forth between percussive and snare and with with a mass uh, a mastery that I don't think anyone else even. Has. Oh, absolutely no. There, there's a especially because I've been listening to it because it's a 2021 at least in my 
the weird way I separate my music from year to year, I think it was 2021, the B-sides of Music to be Murdered By from Eminem, there's a few songs in there I really like because his voice becomes like a bass guitar. And he is using it as such, like, I'm only going to say three or four words, but they are the heaviest thing you're hearing right now. And Shit it's up. really cool. And it, that that's the thing that Eminem, I know we, we love, and we've talked about Eminem in in every form of cinematities, I think, is that he understands his voice and knows how to use it and does interesting things with it, and that is fantastic. <laughs> and, and then he's also lyrically impressive. Oh, yes, of course. The, yeah. the wordplay of Eminem is undeniable. <laughs> right. And, and that's where, like, Tom McDonald's creeping up on that. He's not there yet. I, I'm glad you say that, because I, I felt the same way, is that specifically in Snowflakes, I think the chorus is he's saying, like, you snowflakes are so fake. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, and I'm like, I get what you're doing, and it kind of makes sense. Oh, it does make sense, but it's not the greatest. <laughs> like, it's so but, fake, snowflake. Like, yeah, but you know, you could, you're, it's working for what you're saying, but that could probably be, that would up. be a line in Eminem's song, like not one one piece of lyricism in Eminem, not the whole chorus. And I think Fake Woke does the same thing with Tom McDonald. I, I don't remember what he rhymes it with, but the chorus comes down to like what more linguistic artists would use as one moment rather than the hook. Sure. And, but, but I mean, in, in terms of, of, of the linguistic talent that Tom McDonald does have, he does have, um, and I think it's canceled, he says something like, I can handle the heat. I'm walking through hell in flip-flops drinking gasoline. Sure, sure. Like, like he's got that, like, imagery and those mid-rhymes, and, and, like, he has the linguistic talent. He just hasn't quite figured out how to put together a hook yet. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Be- and, and so that, I think, ties back to, you know, now speaking more specifically about Tom McDonald, is, is the ability to create that hook that you just said, is that being hindered by hitting the messages that he's trying to send industry plant or not we're i think we're beyond that there's something about does he need to work on his lyricism more since he's gotten such a following saying the message that he's been saying this goes back to what i've been saying about how i'm afraid about tying a message to an artist if an artist has success with their message doesn't that stagnate them from becoming a better artist you mentioned that that like Six of his eight, or whatever the numbers were, of his songs mm-hmm. are like the same message yeah. uh, from, from this year. He does have other songs that are, if if related to that, only tangentially related to that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. the two I mentioned, church and heart emojis. I, I guess I well, should say, those are, I would say, notably worse songs. Sure. Like, when I describe heart emojis as a pop song from 15 years ago, that's not a good thing. Sure, sure. <laughs> Uh, but he does have a song called Best Rapper Ever from, uh, I don't know when that is, maybe 2019? Sure. Um, that song is about his struggle with addiction and the way that he uh, kind of interacts with the world and, and the way that he has this voice inside of him who's, like, telling him. Like, there's there's um, there's one part where he, where he says, like, you'll never be able to ignore their comments as long as I listen. Sure. And the demon saying, like, I read the bad stuff and I remember it and I think about it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he has this kind of thing where it's like, this is about him and it's about the struggles he's gone through and, like, that kind of shit. It's like, that is a different thing than this, like, fake woke snowflake, 
Yeah. Oh, stuff. absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's not that he can't do different content, or that he's never done different content. And Best Rapper Ever is a phenomenal song, despite the fact that I don't think it's one of the ones that made him famous. But he's got oh, and No Response also is, is great, which is just about shit talking amongst rappers. Like yep. that, and you know, already talked about how I love that. Um, <laughs> it's like great drama that I just get to be an audience member for. Um, but anyway, he has the potential to break out of it. Mm-hmm. If he decides to only make music about this message, which I don't think he will. And the reason I don't think he will is he, he has talked about, like, there's already been people saying he changed since he made money. And he's, and he's like, I hate shit that stays the same. Sure. And so I, so I don't expect that he will be stuck on this message forever because I don't think he will be happy doing it. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I mean, then, then that's something I, I completely give the artist as a person, not as a committee or manufactured entity, anything like that, the artist. They totally have the ability to do that. It's up to us if we like it or not, but it's, yes. it's, there's nothing – those two things don't match. What they want to do and whether or not we like it should not go together. Like yeah. one, one of the examples I always say is that you know, Kid Cudi um, very famously – uh, Kid Cudi toured, I think, in 2017, if I remember correctly. Um, he played the first show of his tour was in Denver at the Fillmore Auditorium, and I was there. He got booed off stage for playing his new music. Oh, I was God. I was there. I did not boo him, but the entire audience turned against him. After that concert, which there's a whole story behind that concert, he canceled the rest of his tour. I, I literally was at the one show of a Kid Cudi tour that existed. Wow. That's my problem. If an if an artist wants to do something new, let them do it. It's up to us if we like it or not. I don't think that there should be the blending where we go, Kid Cudi, you're fucking up. You need to be booed off stage and come back and play the music we like. That is too extreme for me. Because honestly, if I go to a concert and they play music that I don't like, I'm going to go, man, that was kind of a bummer, but that's what the artist decided to do. And I'm really, at the end of the day... I think when I go to see a concert, I'm paying to see those people. I'm not paying to see them play the music I want to play. If that was the case, I would pay them the thirty grand directly and hire them privately. It, it's your, there, there's a there's a there's a it's so weird with concerts, which don't even exist in the quarantine era every, anymore. This is not even relevant, really. But it's like you have to put your hands over to what you're seeing from an artist. It's interesting that that you that you say that because you have this separate the artist from the art feeling where it's like, it's the art that I like, not the artist. But then when yeah. you go to a concert, it's kind of reversed. It's like, I'm here to see the artist. Not. Oh, Oh, a- absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's kind of the same thing. It's up to them. That's, that's where I am really separating the art from the artist. I have no expectation that they're going to play the songs I want them to play. Okay. I know yeah. that they're going to be them. That's what I'm paying for. Ah, Oh okay. yeah. No, that, that's, feels consistent and i'm yeah. totally down for it and and comparing it to, to what most other people are doing they expect that that art will be connected to that artist and that the artist will exactly that and that's okay. the problem that's the problem i have when they boo him off stage for playing his new music that is really like really grungy like that album i think it's speed and bullet to heaven from Kid Cudi is grunge music. It is not rap. It's not hip hop. It's not reggae. It's not anything he's ever done before. It's him with a guitar. No, 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 no. And don't get me wrong. It's horrible. I hate it. I, I absolutely abhor that album. But 
I don't think it's okay for the audience to boo him off stage, and then we have to wait another hour till he comes out and plays three of his famous songs, and that's the whole concert. Like, like that's diminishing oh, to me. I think if I were him, I'd be like, "Fuck it, this concert's over. Fuck you guys." He, yeah, yeah, he, he almost did. We kind of did that because he canceled the rest of the tour after the Denver show. <laughs> that's that's insane. Um, I, I'm with you. I think it is it is not chill at all. Yeah, to, to boo somebody who's... Yeah. I mean, I, and, and that kind of comes back to this idea that I have of, like, it is so much harder to perform than it is to critique. Exactly. A hundred percent. Like, like I, I, me, you, we sit here, we critique movies all the time. Have we made a movie? Fuck no. <laughs> no. Nope. Know why? Nope. That shit's hard. Yes. Like, we, it's a lot easier for us to sit here and talk about it. And yeah, we can, we can talk about things we like, we can talk about things we don't like, and oftentimes we praise movies even if we didn't like them. We mm-hmm. praise things they did. And that's respecting the effort of the artist, and that's the that's the part that's missing. There is like, you don't have to like it for it to be good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And, no, yeah, you're you're 100 right. There's a reason I'm a critic, not a performer. Uh, the times I have performed at open mic nights with Jeremy in my band, it takes like two days of practice. Like we have to have conversations with his roommates, going, "Why are you playing the same song over and over?" And it's oh, like, because we need to get good at it. <laughs> We're about to do this in front of 30 other people. <laughs> sure. And that's a nightmare. That's, so, that's a lot of work. It's a lot easier for me to learn something and critique. And that's the thing also. I, I hope everybody, you know, I, I hope everybody that listens to this podcast knows that Ben, Zach, and I, we, we learn things and then critique. We're not just saying, oh, I didn't like that. I like that. You know, at least we have some knowledge of what's going on, you know? Um, and, and that, so th- there's a fine line with critiquing and stuff, but you're, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you is that it's a lot harder to perform than to critique. And it's, it's just kind of the, the music industry relies on almost audience reaction. And that goes back to what we were saying with industry plant. You know, you want people to think that you have an organic audience because that's for some reason is going to make people feel better about it. Where... Well, that and that's that's actually makes a lot of psychological sense. Oh yeah, yeah. So, something is more valuable if people find it valuable. Absolutely, yeah. They're like, I. It's one of those things where it's like I was there. It's the hipster notion. I was there when they were coming up. You know, it's well, like. Aside from that, it's also like the reason that married men get hit on by women more, because <laughs> the fact that somebody has said you're worth having means yep. you're worth having. Yep. Yep. And th- and that's that's why I, what I think is maybe more important in that aspect. It's like. If an audience uh, organically says this person is worth listening to, then somebody else can come along and be like, oh, I, I'm going to trust the opinion of that audience enough to give it a shot. Sure. Whereas if it's like a fake audience, it's like the difference between like me pitching my app to people on the Internet and other people pitching my app to people Absolutely. on the Internet. Like, of course I'm going to pitch it to you, but if someone else pitches it to you, that matters. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think I have one last thing weird not a take but an interesting thought experiment about tom mcdonald but before we get to that were there anything was there anything more you want to talk about with tom mcdonald i don't know which song once again no structure this is what we get it's great it's like a patreon episode which is the whole i think point of this but uh, so i don't know which songs you listen to was there anything else you wanted to highlight from tom mcdonald clown world is dope as fuck clown world is a really wildly visually interesting music video. That's my big takeaway. The The music video for Clown World is one of the most intensely, incredibly smart, edited things I've seen in a while. I think that might be the one where I'm like, Nova Rockefeller, 
direct a Welcome to the Blumhouse movie. <laughs> Welcome to the Nova House. The Blum Feller. Clown, Clown World is Clown World was one of the standouts. That's one of the ones that falls in the category that I was saying they all are about the same thing. Yes. Um, but Clown World stands out, I think, because of the editing in the music video, the quick cuts and how many so, outfit changes he goes through. But also, that one seemed to have the biggest musical hook to it, uh, of a song that I could like get caught in my head, if, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, so um, one of the reasons that I bring up Clown World is... It is all very so, – so this is the thing. We, we've talked about it being kind of the same content-wise, and it is kind of. But they're – it's all talking about the same group of things. Yeah. But this is, this is specifically picking out of that group the way the media has impacted um, relations between, between groups of people and tried to turn them against each other um, and, and how the media has tried to set up a situation that they can save you from. And – like he's specifically here criticizing the media, not just woke left, but how how the media has played a role in that. Yes, yes. So while it is in the same group of topics, it is a different topic, I guess. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. There's some subtlety yeah. there, but I, I I do love the uh, what's all the division for modern segregation? They're setting up a civil war, like that bit. And you can sure. put it in there. I didn't do it anywhere near right. <laughs> um, but like he, he, he does some shit with his voice there that's really interesting. He's like, they're setting up a civil war. Yep. And it's it's like that that hit me. And I was like, I have been saying this. Like this is some yeah. shit I've been telling people. The media has been dividing people and civil war is a possibility if that continues to happen. Oh yeah, that I'm. I'm glad you say that because I think we only hit it briefly at the start of this conversation, which might have been six hours ago at this point. Yeah, it's is, is that Tom McDonald is saying a lot of things that reflect what we've talked about? Not, I don't, I'm not saying we agree or disagree necessarily. I'm saying that like the topics he's bringing up are things that we discuss, whether it be on just an excise content episode of the Patreon or whether it be a tangent because we're discussing Master Disguise and how bad Hollywood is and things like that. But that, that's why this is interesting to talk about, because he's getting at things that, you know, I, I think Ben and I both, we don't feel silenced, specifically because, you know, we're paying for Podbean to release our content every week. But it's stuff that we want to talk about, which is great, you know? It, it's, I, it's different from where, where I, like I said before, I'm, I never went to Ben and said, oh my god, Ben, I want to yell at you for 20 minutes about how important the Avalanche's new album is. I, I never did that because that's kind of just like me gushing over something, and I can do that to my friends. Tom McDonald inherently sits at a base of things we want to talk about, which makes it more fundamentally interesting because it fits into our oeuvre. Yes, yeah, and I, I will say, I mean, you, you said that we don't feel silenced. That's true of me now. But it was yes. not true of me in grad school. Sure, 100%. I felt incredibly silenced and stifled in grad school. I was the outlier big time mm -hmm. because I didn't think Trump was literally the devil. <laughs> like, like people would be coming to me, I'd like, and I'd like, Trump is not Lucifer, and they would be like, "Whoa, what the fuck did you just say?" And I was like, literally nothing that's interesting, but yeah. apparently it's enough to draw your ire. Yep, and and yep. that's. That's the um, the place where I'm coming from. Is like this music hits me, and it gives me those tingly feelings of being like I'm not alone, and and I'm much less alone now than I was then. But that has left 
this this kind of mental scarring in me where it's sure. like I don't even know who I can talk to about these things. Yeah. So instead, I go s- very not that anonymously on the internet and talk about them. Um, <laughs> and and you know now I work for uh, an ex sailor who I don't think is going to fire me for this kind of thing. Sure. So it, sure. it's it's a little different than it used to be. Where I used to work at a bank who cared about its public image in that way. Now I work for for somebody who work, like works for the military. The military's like they're going to be like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about exactly um, exactly no that's or, a good point and also just for our audience um the, i ben is not exaggerating i knew ben when this was going on ben was silenced i, I think we both were i i've never been a loud public speaker until this podcast but i felt the same way you know when you had you know people yelling at you about how you should feel about these things for the sake of them doing it that it might be the best example of grad school period. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It, it was baffling the the people that I've interacted with, and I, I think I I don't think I've said their names on these podcasts because I'm not trying to spread that kind of shade. Not that they don't deserve it, just that that's not who I want to be. Yeah, they, they deserve the shade. They don't deserve the recognition, though. That's yes. so. Yes, it's one of those things where it's like you know the belief that we should stop saying like mass shooters' names because they don't need the attention. Same thing yeah. with these people that are like trying to tell us how to live. They don't need that. They need to be erased no. more than anything. Well, and that's I mean, but and that's so that you bring that up. Like that's interesting because that's what they tried to do to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they they tried to do it to me by shutting me up. I'm trying to do it to them by ignoring them. Yeah. And so that's, those are different things. Me saying they need to be erased is probably not right. I probably said that too quickly. I think if Ben knows me better than anything, they need to be satirized because Ben knows that one time I went to visit him and I showed up with a Donald Trump magnet that I wanted to super glue to somebody's car windshield. And Ben was like, this is probably not a good idea. And I'm like, yeah, but wouldn't it be great? (laughs) Oh, yeah, and, and I think my, my exact reasoning was they will blame nobody other than me. Yeah, yeah, which is 100% fair, and I totally get it, and it is an act of vandalism, which I don't condone, because you should not be a dick at the end of the day, but uh, the, the satirization, man. Uh, could you imagine? I'm just picturing somebody gets oh, down in were- their car, and I'm, I'm talking we super glue the Trump side to the windshield from the outside. So they get in their car and they see it. I'm imagining they hit their windshield wipers. It gets stuck on the magnet. It would have been fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, and they would have cried. And they would have gone to therapy about oh, it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and they would have deserved every bit of that given what they put me through. <laughs> but no, I, I was not I was not willing to let, let that happen because I did not want to catch the, the flag for that. Okay. And unfortunately, I had to see these people... Day in, yes. Day out. Yes. I was well, visiting, and I really wanted to to drop a a, a bomb and leave, you know. And then <laughs> Ben was like, "No, this is kind of my day to day life." <laughs> yes. Oh God, yeah. And I and I had to see them as much as they tried not to see me. That was some <laughs> shit. I'm I'm gonna mention it just because I can't believe how childish it is. They, and Rob knows this. I would walk into rooms. They would look at the floor and leave. That's the degree that we're talking about. That they thought I was the Antichrist to yeah. the point that if they looked at me, it would damage their soul or some shit. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. You're not wrong. That's the way that, uh, you know, little kids, I think, act towards their bullies. Yep. Like physical bullies, you know? And and that was the most insane thing to, to hear that or see that, hear that, experience that from adults in grad school. Oh, yeah. Crazy. And, I mean, adults, we're using the word lightly there, yes. I think. Yes, yes. Yeah, they, these people... Uh, Big children. 
Yes, super big children. Never experienced <laughs> any amount of real adversity in their lives, uh, most of them. And, you know, coming to me with this kind of shit. So anyway, that's neither once, here Yes, once again, another great tangent. Um, uh, back to Tom McDonald, something I wanted to mention. The music video for Snowflakes, the, uh, the first one that I watched, the one that you pitched, of course. The woman in that video... Is trans. That is a trans woman, yeah. Yes. It goes by Blair White. Okay. Distractingly beautiful. I loved looking at her. Almost that I was not listening to the song when I was looking at her. It's almost a a bad point to the music video to have someone that good looking in it. (laughs) So, and I I think that there's like a a really solid reason that he did that. Or that Nova did that. Absolutely, yeah. So... That that is adding to his message. I don't hate the things that you think I hate because I disagree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, uh, that I exactly. just disagree with you. Exactly. That 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 it might be one of the most important you know music videos in that sense uh, because most of the music videos, of course, is him just standing there going oh uh, and you know stuff like that. It's nothing new, well, but like that that aspect is wildly interesting distractingly beautiful it was was kind of out of this world (laughs) yeah she's she's attractive um and like there are other videos that tom mcdonald has done where like like the song white boy that music video is mostly um minority people it's mostly people of color black people mexicans like and he he is doing like when i watch that video i'm just like he had this idea and got these people to want to per- to participate mm-hmm. in this. Like, that's so fucking valuable yeah. for, him, for yeah. him to be bringing people together in that way to say, like, I don't hate you. I don't hate the things that they are saying I hate. I just hate being told that I can't talk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, I, I, and, and also, I, I hate a lot of the things they are saying because they're fucking crazy. Like there is some crazy shit going on coming from from the the left uh, side of the political spectrum. If you, of, if you want yes. to call it that of Re- from Reddit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which which I'm against calling it left because it's not progressive or liberal in the slightest. It is so controlling that I don't think the word liberal could be applied to it in any kind of serious notion. Yeah, like yeah, it is farcically non-liberal. Like it is insane. <laughs> it is, like it is so close to fascism that you know it, it's ins- it, like they're just like we want to completely control what you say and what you think. That is not liberal in the slightest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but that is coming from from the air quotes left of our political uh, yes, spectrum. Yes. So so, so here's first, yeah, exactly. Sure. So here's here's the question, and and I I will elaborate on this. Uh, in due time, after I get your thoughts, or if you want me to elaborate it because I, I don't, you don't understand the question. But here's the question. This was an interesting thought experiment I had when I was going through Tom McDonald. You know, speaking of spoken word rap, of, of rap as uh, mixing in with other genres and things like that. In an alternate universe, do you see 21 pilots going down this route? Using their vocals to spread this type of message? I, I don't want to elaborate any further, if unless you want me to. But just, what do you think about this? Twenty-one pilots being this vocal, like I said, thought experiment. I'm not saying they are or anything, because they are decidedly not. They are for teenage girls and will always be for teenage girls. <laughs> so, is the question, what do I think 
about if they had or do I think that they could have in an alternative? I think, do you think they could have? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to ramble a little bit because I don't quite have an answer for you yet, but I have some thoughts. And okay. so hopefully I'll put together an answer <laughs> by rambling. And, that's, and Rob knows this. I don't know if the audience has quite picked up on it. That's what I do. I ramble until I know what I'm talking about, and then I and then I talk about it. Uh, so there are a lot of things I say that are not by any means set in stone. You're working they, they it out. You got to work it out. You know, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier, like Bruce Springsteen spending too much time talking at his concert. I saw Watsy in concert. He spent too much time talking also. Okay. And that bothered me to no end because Watsy was up on stage performing the very things that the people who were making my life miserable espoused at all times. Sure. So so that not only did I disagree with Watsky, I I was and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm I don't put these additional emotions on Watsky, but I did experience them as a result of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. I was having to experience the shit that I was there trying to escape from. Yeah. And and Watsky did it, but Watsky doesn't do it in his music as much, mm-hmm. at least. So for, for Watsky to I, – I don't think an artist like Watsky would ever go this way. And I know you asked about 21 Pilots, not Watsky, but sure, for Watsky, sure. the closest entry point I had to this question. For 21 Pilots, we saw them in concert, and I don't know that they said anything to us other than maybe telling us a story about them as kids or something. Yeah, oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, they, they were – the ways that they're vocal in their performances, at least when we saw them, which – seven and eight years ago you know um they were always like you know aren't we quirky and relatable aren't we you know the uh the kids that you were five years ago well when i say you i mean you and i because five years ago we were those kids most of the audience were those teenage girls yeah that was weird but see so so not as bad as uh as new politics that's it oh yeah oh god jesus new politics i don't think ever really had an identity other than let's take our shirts off you know <laughs> but so the reason that i thought of this was and and of course we could do a whole nother song street amadis episode talking about the trajectory of 21 pilots and how um i've i've really fallen off from them after falling in love with them back in the day oh yeah there's some of their new stuff kind of sucks Oh, no, I, I did – I severely dislike Trench and their new album, which I believe is called Scaled and Icy, I almost cannot bring myself to listen to. And, and of course, like I said, we could do a whole other discussion about that because I have so many thoughts about the industry and 21 Pilots. But here's the thing. Back when we liked 21 Pilots, when 21 Pilots was fresh, I felt that they – and I, I, I feel still that they were doing something interesting. They were singing with this rap slash alternative style about heavier topics, you know, more emotional, like the, you know, the lane boy, the uh, the suicide aspect and, you know, how to deal with family and things like that. But yeah. at, at least I felt they had a message. Well, I, I mean, yeah, and there, there's like uh, holding on to you, uh, fucking mm-hmm. thinking of car radio. The message of car yeah. radio is timeless. The, the ability to lose hearing something is timeless. Sure. And it will always mean something. And that's a very poignant message. And I feel like 21 Pilots, you know, maybe as we get into this modern era of music, this Spotify playlist type of thing, don't you need the single that has a message? Like, that's the Tom McDonald, like, listen, Snowflakes, I'm saying something. Get on those playlists. People are going to hear me. I could, in an alternate universe, like I said, I could see 21 Pilots going down this route. Would they be saying the same thing as Tom McDonald? I'm not saying that. But if they had stuck with a very poignant political message, they would be more well-known now because now they're just teenage girl music. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's one of their songs that says something like "To save yourself, you got to kill your mind," or some sometimes to save yourself, yeah. you got to kill your yes. mind. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, definitely, lyrics like that is, is what caught me with Twenty One Pilots. It, it's tough for me to to think about whether they would be more popular or not because because as I've said, like I I got so much of this leftist bullshit crammed down my throat. Yeah, that anybody who ventures into singing about leftist bullshit. I'm tuning out. Sure. I, you are instantly lost fan. I just don't give a shit anymore about what you have. Like, and that's that's my own personal trauma, my own personal baggage. And I'm not going to say that that means their music is necessarily bad, but I am going to say it's shit I don't want to listen to. Fair, fair, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that goes. Uh, what that's a great point you make about you know me saying I really dislike the last two Twenty One Pilots albums. I don't think it's bad music. They are very musically inclined. It's not something I want to listen to because it seems so vacuous. And sure. I think I'm with you where if it's if it's very poignant message-based, whether I agree with it or not, I, it's not my cup of tea. I'm not going to gravitate towards it. But if it's vacuous, that might be the worst-case scenario. Sure. I would rather you say something with your music than say nothing. And that's exactly why I think 21 Pilots could have gone down this message-based route and been more popular in the grander scheme of things, and at least in my mind. I, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. I mean, they started off with... I, I don't know that I could ever see them going this political sure. or, th- or this commentary about society, but I could definitely see them going this deep into what it means to be a person or, or what life is. Exactly. The, yeah. it would, they would basically become, I think, in, in the, the world that we're imagining, they would become the musical version of the Joker movie talking about mental illness. Like, that sure. would be their shtick. That, sure. Which was their well, shtick near the beginning, you know? And <laughs> They've kind of gotten usurped by, like, AJR in that in that realm. Yes, yes. And, and, I, and I know you have negative feelings about AJR, but God. they have produced some pretty dope shit, in my opinion. The, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you say that. Have produced pretty dope shit in the sense that most of their music comes out of a computer. <laughs> yes, it's not. They are not musicians, really. They are. I mean, they're they're artists. They're talent. I, yes. I believe they're talent. Yeah. Oh no, no. I mean, there's some songs from AJR I really like, but you know that you listen to it, and or at least I listen to it, and I go, I, I know we've had this conversation. I go, Ben, this song's really good, but they sang this lyric once and looped it. Like it is all technical. Like there is no real performance going on. Well, and definitely. Ben's like, well, it still sounds good. And I'm like, no, you're right. It does. It sounds really fucking cool. <laughs> right. And, and like they, like for instance, AGR has a song like called "Way Less Sad," where it's just like they say, like they say the line, like "I'm not happy yet, but I'm way less sad," and that that's super applicable to somebody who's experiencing depression. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like you know, and maybe I'll never be happy, but at least I'm not as sad as I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like that's some shit that that means something to somebody with depression. Absolutely, absolutely. And while I don't think that the raw talent is there as, as in, intently as it is with 21 pilots. AJR has adopted that. We're singing about what it means to be a person kind of thing. Yes. Yes. Which I fundamentally like, that's the best way to say it. That that's more of the music I'm attracted to than a political message or anything like that. Um, sure. I, I am more of, like you said, I want it to resonate with me in some way in my life. And you know, that that's why I, as I've, said with everybody I've ever worked on music with, I'm a man out of time. I'm never going to highly produce things. I just want to sing with a guitar. No one's going to like that. <laughs> but 
That's all I want to do. And that kind of comes down to the end of the day. You know, if, if you have music that you want to create, if you have any art you want to create, do what you want to do. Don't fit into the industry. Don't try to fit into the industry. Sure. It's, it, that's, I think that might be my, my, my big message after everything we said is love the music that you love. Don't like the music that you don't like. Don't get angry at anybody for loving or hating something. If you really want to support independent truly organic artists go onto youtube and soundcloud and bandcamp and find the ones with very little views and guess what if you're looking for one there's always one in an inferiority complex <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to say about tom mcdonald or are we ready to wrap up this song screed commodities that has lasted i think uh, let me look at the recording oh 17 days <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i i think to be honest like that's I've rambled enough about him. I could probably find more to say if I wanted, if we went into dissecting his songs, et cetera. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but I, I think that the one big takeaway, uh, if there is one I had to isolate, would be quieting dissent is the role of a dictator, and it is bound to lead to revolution. And that Tom McDonald, whether he is organically or planted, he is the symbol of that. And and the the symbol that kind of kept coming to mind for me, which which is is definitely blasphemous to say so, is something like a Jesus figure, like not that he is our savior necessarily, but he represents the idea that is our savior, which is not shutting the fuck up anymore. And, and maybe even if I want to give him a little more credit than he might deserve, speaking honestly and forthrightly, and that is something that never goes out of style despite how much trouble it might give you. Fair, fair. You picked a good one, Ben. I, I think, uh, you know, when we uh, when we sat down, we are professional podcasters. We're doing many episodes in a row today. Uh, I, I know that I said, oh, yeah, these will all be pretty short. You picked a good one to make it a long song screen of oddities. I'm not against that. This is uh, this has turned into a doozy, and I think because it's such a doozy, it's a great exemplar of if you like this type of conversation, if you like these thoughts, if you like these opinions, which you may or may not agree with, that may you might feel comfortable because you agree with them, you might feel incensed because you don't. This is exactly the type of stuff that you can get on the Cinemodities Patreon, because. Oh boy, Ben, do we do it when we're discussing movies? Do we do it when we're discussing Adventure Time? And also, I want to make a mention of, um, there's only one of them that have come out at this point. Excise content episodes. Very aptly named, That's How You Get Rants. Uh, do, do you get it? Remember that Archer joke, That's How You Get Ants? That's, that's where I came up with that name. That's How You Get Rants. Really, How You Get Rants is talking to one of your best friends for hours at a time and recording it for some god fucking unknown reason (laughs) (laughs) yeah what are we uh almost three hours in right now oh god it's uh it's it's maybe more than that because my (laughs) skype timer's off sync now yes yes but i mean that is what you can expect on the patreon and uh of course i think we can both say that when we have a topic on the patreon we stick to it a lot better than i think we stuck to tom mcdonald because this was a wild just tom mcdonald was the topic (laughs) You know, like everything became the topic where when we go searching, Rob is like, I don't want to talk about anything, but it's fucking searching. (laughs) So so to to be fair, I think we did stay on topic 
we the did... topic was just ridiculously broad. Yes. That's... Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's okay. <laughs> the, uh, and that's what the excise content is because we actually don't stay on topic. We just cut that stuff out of the episode, <laughs> and uh, and you can listen to it somewhere else. We figure if you want to, you can. It is a lot of fun. A lot of those rants are a good time, and and something I think you know by now about Rob and me. We both like to rant. We both like to stand up on our pedestal and just fucking scream uh, from time to time. And, yes. you know, right or wrong or whatever, we enjoy it. We have fun. At the end, maybe we're angry and need to take a walk. But we love to do it, and, and we're happy if you want to hear it. So come check us out on the Patreon. Come listen to that shit. It is a lot of good fun. And like like Rob said, maybe, maybe it'll make you angry because you disagree. But I hope, I hope more than anything what it does if you disagree – is that it opens your eyes to the fact that there are different motivations than you might have assumed for why people disagree with yes, you. Yes, yes. And if you join the Patreon and you disagree, you can send us a message directly on Patreon, not even go through email, and I will respond to it because I like talking to our fans. That's a, I might not like it if we get more fans, but these days I like talking to our fans. <laughs> Yeah, and and Rob will be doing the replying. Although I guess if you specifically want something from me, you can ask him, and he'll probably yeah. Know. Every once in a while, you know, I'll throw it over to Ben and stuff like that. Uh, but I, like I said, I love talking to our fans, and uh, some of it I some of it I disagree with. I'm not I'm not going to pull any punches because you're one of our fans. You know, that's the other thing. You know. Oh, and he doesn't. If you've <laughs> come, come listen to to our fan request episodes, if you want to hear. Um, <laughs> The degree to which Rob is not pulling punches. That's right. That's right. As of this recording, our every fan request episode we've recorded is, God, this movie is a nightmare. How do we make it better? <laughs> Why <laughs> did you request this? <laughs> oh, yeah. that's That's been a big part of it. And um, actually, we should probably mention that. For future requests, Yes. if, if yes. you're going to make them, we, do, we would like to know why you requested things. But maybe yes. we don't want to know until after we've recorded our I, I so think pick, that's pick. the best way to go is maybe we have like – because that gives us an, a, a little alleyway for more content where if we discuss something and then we get a feedback from a fan who sure, requested sure. it, that gives us maybe uh, another way to fill a slot in the recording schedule, which I love doing. But honestly, like filling slots. I, I, I love being – fucking ahead of the game it's unbelievable how much i love that shit but here's the thing i something you just put in my mind ben on the patreon you can pay five dollars for access to all this bonus content and it's it's a a crazy good amount of fun and you support the podcast for ten dollars you get to make requests here's the thing i don't think we ever thought about ben if somebody wants to make a request of an album We'd do that, right? Oh, absolutely. We would do song screed commodities based on an album request. I think that's something that is a great lane to open up just to say, hey, if you want Rob and Ben to discuss the new Avalanches album from 2021 that is one of the most important sounding things that will go down in history as being the next Abbey Road, please request it to us. <laughs> Because Rob knows that's the only way he'll ever get me to talk about it. So I am going to right now start my own Patreon, subscribe to us, and request We Will Always Love You by the Avalanches. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm going to know it was you because that's going to happen before this episode releases. That would be wonderful if it's like, Ben, we're doing another fan request. Oh, who requested it? I did. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, Rob, you don't have to pay to request things from me. (laughs) 
It's like, Rob, you have so much control over this. Why are you paying $10 to us? Why you you pay for the podcast? Why are you giving us more $10? (laughs) Oh, oh, it's good fun. It's good fun. So, Cinemonities Patreon. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Cinemonities. The link will be in the show notes. We hope you join because if you like these discussions, you will get even more content. And with that being said... Is there anything else that you'd like to say at the end of this episode, Ben? Um, come check out the Life Counter. As yes. always, Rocket Bear Apps is happy to announce the uh, the Life Counter app, which is really my first foray into um, production level um, app writing by myself. You can come check it out if you play Magic the Gathering, especially Commander is built for it, and there are updates coming all the time based on feedback from my audience. So. Uh, as as Rob likes to respond to the Patreon or the patrons, I <laughs> love to get feedback about my app and make it better based on that feedback. So fucking come download it, give me two dollars, let Google take thirty percent of that, and and then tell me what you don't like about it, and I'll see if I can't make it better. <laughs> nice, nice, absolutely. Well, with that being said, I shit, I don't know how we end Song Street Amadi's episodes. I, that's the one thing. I didn't listen to the end of our last Song Street Amodities, so uh, I'll play something in reverse. I know that. That's that's Do the we? ground I, floor. What? I think I always play something in reverse. <laughs> what are we playing in reverse? I mean... Snowflake? Something from... We could do Snowflakes. I mean, that was the impetus of the episode. So, something by Tom McDonald, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm inclined to say that whole setting up the Civil War thing from, from uh, Clown oh, World. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, okay. anyone who knows me... Knows my feet don't fit in clown shoes. That's what I have to say. Ben, you're crazy. <laughs> they're they're stupid and they're proud, Rob. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Ich gehe mit dem Vila, was ich kaufe, ich habe mit dem Vila, wir haben.